Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted and Garrett with you as usual. And today we're talking about season three, episode six, I Am Dying of Unger. Get it, Garrett? <laughs> not hunger. Uh, this episode is not on CBS, all access or on Hulu. So we have it off the DVD, which leads to another deleted scene because of music rights that we will talk about later. Um, so, Garrett, you want to talk to us about the writer who I believe is a first time we're seeing yes, his name? We have a, a writer debut. Um, uh, I'm Dying of Hunger is indeed season three, episode six, air date October 20, 1972. Teleplay credit goes to a single writer, a Joe Glauberg, who it turns out is not only, not only is this his first odd couple uh, script, it is apparent, was apparently his first sitcom script at all wow. uh after what seems to have been a, a kind of apprenticeship in the late 60s uh early 70s and he went on to write two more uh odd couple episodes two pretty good ones let's make a deal and i gotta be me um and then oh, gotta be me is my favorite yeah well you have joe glauberg to thank i, wish uh, I, sh I should have known he wrote it and he um went on so he had a great debut i guess for the odd couple and then went on to do a series of gary marshall uh comedies bland the short-lived blansky's beauties yeah uh Nancy and Walker. then a lot of happy days and not from happy days went on not just to write for mork and mindy but was actually the co-creator of mork oh, and mindy i didn't know that with gary marshall and someone else and then what's really weird is that here's this skyrocketing career, it seems like. And he writes, Mark, does Mark and Mindy, goes into the early 80s. And is, then he does a, a few episodes of a show called Rocky Road, which I never heard of. Yeah, I don't 1986. know that show. And then he disappears huh. from IMDb, at least. But he's still alive, according to your sources. Uh, it seems... Well, you know, some people on IMDb just have nothing. Like, no one knows what happened to them or no one cares. But uh, there's no data. I did. I did a brief. So I must say I didn't do as big a search as one could. But I just you'd think if the guy died and had an obituary, that would have showed up somewhere. Right. So I just found like, I don't know what happened right. to this guy after the 80s. If he's listening. And if you're listening, Joe, uh, we'd love to chat about. Yeah. 1049 pod at gmail.com for stories about your early days of the odd couple okay so we opened this episode on oscar sleeping on the couch with his arms wrapped around an open bag of food which they later say is potato chips although that did not look like an actual potato chip bag to me in terms of the iconography on it but hmm. small knit uh the doorbell rings and felix comes out to answer it and then murray comes in and says very loudly good morning felix refill and he has a thermos with him and Felix shushes him and he motions Murray to be quiet and he brings him to the couch to show him Oscar asleep and then they tiptoe into the kitchen and then Murray says again too loud what's Oscar doing sleeping on the couch and then Felix closes the kitchen door as if that's going to do anything because the shutters are still open um, and says he was up all night working on a book and Murray says what's he reading and Felix says he's writing the book and Murray says, a whole book. And Felix says, mark my words, Murray. There is greatness in that man. And Murray says, you really think so, Felix? And he, Felix answers, if I didn't think so, would I let him have the apartment to himself all last night? Murray asks why. And Felix says, so we can write. I honk in my sleep, see? So I spent the whole night in a taxi cab riding around town. Why? Why Weird. That's a weird line <laughs> to put in. It's not, it's, not, it's not that funny. And it's no. just so silly. Why wouldn't you just go to and a hotel? It's, sad. Go it's to actually Glo sad. Yeah. Go to Gloria's? <laughs> uh, and, uh, right. I mean, it's a perfect excuse to go. Exactly. I mean, I know he's dating Miriam, but yeah, see the kids. Right. Oh, and that's a, funny you should say that because I thought, right, oh, right, I go he's going to say, oh, yeah. of course, I have a girlfriend upstairs who, even if, let's say, they are like chased, <laughs> uh, he could still stay in the apartment. Yeah. 
There's so many other. A million I, things wrong. That's with the it. most logical thing he could have done. So Murray says, what's Oscar's book about? And Felix said, sports, of course. It examines the question of the killer instinct in champions. Why does one man with all the natural ability in the world, why is he a mild passive man? While another man with the same ability has that savage desire to smash, to kill, to fight, to destroy. What makes that killer instinct? And Murray says, I was born with it. <laughs> and that's a good button to that monologue. Yeah. Uh, at this time, during the scene, by the way, that whole thing with the refill is, I guess, Felix gives Murray a thermos of coffee while he's on duty. You know, we never get very precise about this, but it, there are hints that Murray's beat is basically this neighborhood. Yes. And um, and Felix keeps him with because he's always like drifting in and out while he's on duty, and I guess it's convenient to have a friend in the neighborhood where you could uh, refill your coffee. He gets coffee and he gets cookies a lot from Felix too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Felix says, "I don't mind telling you, he's being very well paid for his endeavors. They gave him an advance of one thousand dollars, <laughs> which I think I did the. I thought it yeah. was six thousand dollars then. I can't remember now." Uh, they both then whisper one thousand dollars because I guess that was impressive. Then they tiptoe back over the uh, to uh, Oscar and Felix says, "Dead to the world." Then Murray says, "He's out like a light," and Felix says, "Sleeping like a log." And Murray says, "Really sawing wood." <laughs> I didn't catch that before. Like how many of the cliches they're just piling on? That's kind of funny. So Oscar stirs and puts his feet on the couch on the couch back, and Felix says, "With his shoes on," and Murray says, "Look, he's hugging his potato chips." And Felix says, that's a security blanket. So they go over to the desk, and Felix says, wonder how much work he got done. And Murray walks over and looks and says, should I take a peek? And Felix says, no, 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 I promised him we wouldn't look. And Murray says, you didn't look? Aren't you curious? And Felix says, it's not nice, Murray. Murray says, Felix, I'm a policeman. We're trained to peek. So Murray goes through all the stuff on the desk. He finds a folder. He reads from it, Knockout by Oscar Madison. And Felix punches the air and says, go ahead. Murray shows Felix that is all there is. Felix asks, where's the rest? And Murray says, there is no rest. I peeked all over. Felix reads the paper, and now he says, knockout by Oscar Madison, but in a question form, as if that's all there is. And he walks over the couch. He picks up a very large silver ashtray and drops it back down on the table. And that wakes Oscar up, who has a very wide-eyed look and shock on his face. A very funny visual yeah. from Jack Lugman. And, uh, and uh, after which Felix... T rips the potato chips out of his arm. <laughs> oh, I did. Like I didn't punishment. even notice that. <laughs> it's like no potato chips for you. Uh, and that goes to credits. And then after the credits, we have our first clip. This is all you wrote? What's Murray doing in my bedroom? Was I mugged? <laughs> this is all you wrote? I, I gotta run. This is all you wrote? I like your book so far, Oscar. This is all you wrote? Cut it out, I was up late. Up late. This is all you wrote, a title? Title is very important. Would you go see a play called Romeo and Gladys? <laughs> I tried, Felix, I tried. Look at this, 212 pages. That's all I wrote. You couldn't show me in the basket? No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. We won't talk about it anymore. What about your book? It's due today. You cut it out? I'm as upset about it as you are. Just don't have a book in me, that's all. I had such faith. So did my mother. <laughs> all my hopes, all my expectations, all my sacrifice. What sacrifice? I spent the entire night in a taxi cab with a driver named Nuncio Abruzzi. <laughs> telling me about how Vic Damone sang in his daughter's wedding. Thanks, but I don't want to talk about it. That's his orange juice beer. I don't have to worry about pits. Jeez, mm. <laughs> oh, if I make you feel any better, I am ashamed. I just don't have it in me, that's all. Maybe they didn't give you enough time. Who could write a book in the short amount of time they give you? Felix, I couldn't write the book if they gave me from here to eternity. Maybe if they gave you an extension on your deadline. <laughs> now, what I need is 50,000 words. Preferably in sentences. No, no sugar. Drink. Of all the words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. 
left to say. Yeah, could you lend me a thousand dollars? You already owe me over thirteen hundred dollars, not mentioning the cab fare last night and Nuncio's tip. What do you need it for? Well, you know the thousand dollar advance that Harry Thompson gave me oh, for no. the book? Oh, no, you did. Yeah. Oh, you uh, did. You did. Yeah. What did you spend it on? Poker? Girls? Potato chips? Try slow horses. Oh, Oscar. 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 I'll stop with the Oscar. If you're not going to lend me the money, i got to go visit Benny. Benny the loan shark? Yeah. Charges 184% interest. Only to his friends. Felix, I took the money. I can't write the book. I gotta pay it back. I don't like to see my friends fail. Felix, everybody fails. Caesar failed. Napoleon failed. Alexander the Great failed. They weren't my friends. They were <laughs> so that quote he does in there is from, I think it's from Maud Muller, which is a poem by John Greenlear Whittier. Are you familiar with that, Garrett? I assumed it was Robert Burns. Uh, no, I'm not. So Learn the, something new every day. One of the reasons that you hear laughter in that clip, even though no one's saying anything funny, is there's a visual where Felix pours Oscar a cup of coffee in a mug that he takes off a mug rack. Uh, while Felix's back is turned, Oscar puts that mug back with the coffee in it on the rack, takes an empty one off of it, and pours his beer into it. <laughs> And then Felix offers him sugar when he turns around. Oscar is saying no sugar because he's got beer. Um, and at the end of the line, at the end of it, there's a, at the end of the clip, there's a line that, that the laughter drowns out where um, he says that, uh, uh, you know, when Oscar asks him, would you do this for all these people? And Felix says they weren't my friends. Oscar says they're lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, so then... Felix goes after this to the phone. Oh, before yes. that, can, yes. can I just a couple of things about yes. this? Um, yep. I'm now seeing now, I didn't even think this the first time I watched, but listening to it, I can see the rationale for the cab ride uh, a little more because the, the whole point for Felix staying in a taxi all night, uh, yeah. that it's to make his sacrifice as big as possible like that would have been too easy if he went to a hotel or stayed with miriam so he has to have it suffered in order to uh you know give oscar the apartment all night but are you saying that from the felix unger thinking or the writers thinking the writers thinking. maybe oh. felix, maybe felix too well the writers thinking okay and also to get the abrunzio nuzio joke in there yeah we got to get there right? but uh okay but it doesn't explain why Felix. Yeah, you're, but you're right though. This is a you know a writing trap that yes. you, the writer comes up with the, the reason it happens needs to happen in the show, and it's not really driven by the character. Um, but one, but speaking of suffering, do you notice how Tony Randall's doing all this Jewish mother stuff in the scene? It's like yeah, he, he wants beer instead of coffee. Go is ahead, it, all my hopes, all my oh, hopes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I he didn't says so. Connect, so did my mother. <laughs> I didn't connect that at the time. So, so I think they they're, they're kind of doing a riff on that and. Um, Oh, the, the, the Romeo and Gladys joke reminded me of uh, a very similar joke in the movie Shakespeare in Love, written by Tom Stoppard, where a whole subplot is how he starts off. Shakespeare is writing a play called Romeo and Ethel the Pirate's Daughter. And, really? and the, the joke is like, that's a terrible title. Oh, <laughs> and so, uh, so maybe Tom Stoppard maybe was watching The Odd Couple 1972. Who knows? So... After Oscar goes back to his room, Felix goes to the phone and he calls Mr. Thompson, the editor that he's writing for that we hear. Um, I don't know how he actually would know how to call this guy. Yeah, there's quickly. no speed dial. Well, there's, how does he know the number? How does he, he get knows it by heart? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a little too convenient, but that leads to this scene. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, this is Dr. Abruzzi from the Institute. Yeah. Well, I understand that my patient, Oscar Madison, is to deliver a manuscript to you today. Is that correct? Yes or no? Yeah, three days would be sufficient. Wunderbar. I thank you. Mr. Madison thanks you. Also, the Institute thanks you. I'll be the same. You don't have to go see Benny the Loan Shark. You gonna lend me the money? No. 
I called your editor and I got you an extension on your deadline. I used the Viennese accent. I told, I told him you were sick. You lied to my editor in Viennese? Yeah, I said it was a terrible overwork on you. <laughs> Aren't you gonna thank me? Thank you for what? Pain? Peters, why don't you listen? I can't write it. <laughs> That's not the Oscar Madison I know. My Oscar Madison doesn't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> what are you talking about? Can't is my favorite word. I use it all the time. I can't write the book. I can't pay back the money. I can't win on the horses. When I die on my tombstone, it's going to say, here lies Oscar Madison. Couldn't. <laughs> Look at yourself in the mirror. If you can find the mirror. <laughs> Look. Now look at that man and tell him that he's not a quitter. Won't help. He knows I'm a liar. <laughs> Keep looking. The mirror's a liar, too. So the mirror has a $10 sold big sign on the back of it. <laughs> um, and one of the psych acts in there that you hear laughter about is he's, Oscar's getting dressed and he's holding up his tie to his socks to see if they match, which I guess is a thing. Um, he also gets out a pair of shoes and each of the shoes has a beer can in them <laughs> and Felix looks dismayed at this and Oscar says shoe trees <laughs> so Felix says I've never seen you like this so low so depressed so defeated Oscar says weren't you at my wedding which by the way is a whole consistency yeah. of logic thing that we don't not going to get into but but there is we will see their wedding right which yeah. is in the yeah the army this is the army Mrs. Madison which yeah. I can't remember. Is Felix at that? that, that and must, I can't. Yeah, you know, that's the we'll word. That. We, we, we both have to confess, embarrassing, that yes. we do not remember that episode in great detail. So if you're out there and you know it, no spoilers. Yeah, we'll get to it. Felix <laughs> says, uh, I thought you loved writing. And Oscar says, Felix, no writer loves writing. Dorothy Parker said it best for all writers. She said, I hate writing, but I loved having written. I haven't written. Garrett, you want to say something about yeah, that quote? Yes, uh, I, I, uh, something to add about that line i have always remembered that line it's the great line about writing uh and so true and i remembered him mentioning dorothy parker and uh more recent but recently i've gotten into this guy called the quote investigator are you familiar with the quote investigator I'm not uh the quote investigator is a mysterious uh uh kind of detective of literary stuff who has run this website very successful website called the quote quote investigator.com and he sees it he's taken on the mission of either confirming or debunking every almost every famous quotation out there especially those that are have a kind of suspect origin thing people things uh, didn't people think someone said something and it turns out they never really said it um like played and, again sam which was never right. said yes well yeah, that's one example, but, uh, that but that things that, that a... were said, but but misattributed. Things oh. are misattributed. Okay, right? you know you get that on the internet all the time, right? People say Abraham, as Abraham Lincoln said, and it's like some crazy stuff that he would never say. Um, so he has a page, he has an entry on this quote, and he found that there was no attribution of this, no credit of this to Dorothy Parker until 1978 that there are various versions of this quote said by other people before then but he identified 19, he did, now listen where it came from a, a 1978 interview with Larry Gelbart so oh. another seven legendary 70s TV writer quote star Dorothy Parker 1978 so I decided I would email Mr. Quote Investigator and say, hey, I found one in, 19 I can raise you <laughs> that and uh, have one from 1972. And after looking at the episode, he confirmed it. It is now up on the Quote Investigator website. Well, look how this podcast is changing the internet. We are changing the world, yeah. uh, or at least the internet. And uh, it made, I think he and I talked a little about the quote and right now the evidence doesn't seem to support it coming from Parker. But one thing we do know is that this episode of The Odd Couple is the first doc documented attribution of that quote to her that we know of. Interesting. Uh, Felix says, but look, you've got three more days, Oscar. Gratis. What have you got to lose? And you've got something you've never had before. Me. I'll be by your side. I'll work with you. I'll nurse you. I'll baby you. I'll light your cigars. I'll change your typewriter ribbon. It's a reference, stated reference. Yeah. Yeah. If you fail, I fail. What do you say? Here are your potato chips. Go to work. So Oscar says, Felix, it's a lot of hard work. What's in it for you? 
Felix says nothing. All I want is the satisfaction of having helped a human being. Oscar says, okay, if you feel that way, I'll try it. Felix says, I knew you would. And if you feel like it, you could dedicate the book to me. Oscar says, oh, come on, Felix. I don't have time to think about things like that. Felix says, of course, I wouldn't want you to spend a second. That's why I wrote a little something here. Oscar mm -hmm. says, you wrote something? Felix says, it's simple. I think you'll write it. So Oscar reads what Felix wrote, which is, to my pal Felix Unger, without whose constant encouragement and unrelenting sacrifice that you, that you just said, this work would not have been possible. And so Oscar says, that's not bad. Okay. Oscar starts to leave the room, but Felix says there's more. And then Felix reads the rest of his dedication. Felix Unger, a bon vivant, whose brilliant <laughs> wit was a constant source of inspiration during the long hours of indecisiveness and uncertainty and who made this book a reality. Felix pauses and Oscar tries to leave again, but Felix keeps reading. Felix Unger, a pal, <laughs> whose very being embodies the meaning of the word pal, buddy, friend, helper. Oscar says, Felix, the dedication isn't supposed to be longer than the book. So Felix says, let's get to work. I think that's not the only time Felix says bon vivant. Yes, no, that's a very Felix Unger word. It's a very Tony Randall thing, too. It's one of his go-tos. So the new scene is Felix sitting on the couch with his bare feet on the coffee table, which is very weird. And Oscar's sitting at his desk with his arms on his typewriter, and he's thinking. And that is a bunch of visual gags, so we can't play a clip here. Felix is reading a magazine and trying to turn the pages very, very slowly so as not to make any noise. But he's not successful because Oscar slams his fist on the desk because the turning it so slowly is almost more annoying than just reading it normally. And he grabs the paper that he's typing on out of the typewriter in anger. Next, Felix takes a banana off the fruit bowl. By the way, that fruit bowl, it was really like topped with fruit. It was like an enormous bowl of fruit. I guess Felix has been stocking up. Felix peels the banana very slowly, which is also very distracting to Oscar, <laughs> who stares at him. He breaks the banana in half, uh, Felix does, and he starts to very slowly put it to his mouth, but Oscar is staring at him, so Felix shrugs. He decides not to eat it. He puts the broken half on top of the main half, back on the banana, and starts to peel, put the peel back and puts it back on the bowl. Oscar goes back to typing, and Felix brings the bowl to Oscar, whispering, would you like a piece of fruit? Oscar says, no, I wouldn't like a piece of fruit. And Felix offers him a cup of coffee, but Oscar says he would not like a cup of coffee. Felix says coffee is a good stimulant. Oscar then shouts, Felix, I can't keep working with these constant interruptions. Felix says, I won't interrupt anymore. Oscar says, your whispering is an interruption. Felix whispered, I won't interrupt you anymore. Felix says, I'm sorry. Oscar says, phone ringing all the time. Felix says, what are you talking about? I picked the phone out of the wall an hour ago, and he shows him the cord. Oscar, it must be dripping. Felix says, what dripping? My sinuses? Oscar says, no, the faucet in the kitchen, drip, drip, drippity, driving me nuts. Felix says, there's no faucet dripping in my kitchen. Oscar says, and somebody in the apartment house has a dripping faucet. Felix says, Oscar, this house has soundproof walls. And Oscar says, Felix, and somebody in the city of New York has a dripping faucet because I can hear it. Felix says, this is madness, madness, absolute madness. And Oscar says, I must you walk around, your shoes squeak. And then <laughs> Felix shows him his bare feet, which was the whole point of that scene, obviously, to set up that funny joke. And then Oscar says, then your feet squeak. <laughs> Oscar says, Felix, listen, when I work, the smallest noise just irritates me. You won't believe it if a guy dropped a pin at, uh, you won't believe it. If a guy dropped a pin 10 miles from here, I would hear it. At this point, the doorbell is ringing and Oscar's saying, I can't help it. When I'm working my head, my <laughs> hearing is acute. It's like radar. <laughs> Felix says to laugh because the doorbell's <laughs> ringing. And Oscar says, what are you laughing at? I heard the door go answer it. And Felix says, I'm not going to let anybody in. Now get back to work. Now, the next scene is one of is a favorite scene that I think doesn't really get a lot yeah. of attention. So Felix goes to the door and they have a little peephole door in the in the door. There's a little there's a peephole is actually a little door you open. And he tells whoever it is out there, we can't see them. I'm sorry, Oscar's hard at work. He's working on the book and it really is coming along. He's really rolling this time. Oscar says, ask who are you talking to? And then, then a, a nose comes. And right <laughs> through, through the, the door, per perfectly through the door. And Oscar says, oh, hi, Murray, which gets a big laugh and applause from the audience. It is a very funny. Scene. Yeah. And for the and, and Al Molinaro plays the rest of the scene from behind the door yes, with only right. his nose. Yes. And we only hear a murmur of his voice. So Felix says, Murray, I don't want to be rude, but Oscar's really working hard now. and He's got to make that deadline. So would you mind coming back another time? 
So Felix closes the door in Murray's nose, but Murray pushes <laughs> it back open. The nose pop, pops through again. Uh, and he tells Felix he has a cabin in the woods where Oscar, which Oscar can use. And Felix tells this to Oscar. Oscar says, just what I need, a cabin surrounded by hundreds of other cabins. Felix says that Murray says there's nothing for 10 miles around. It was used as a hideout by John Dillinger. And Oscar says he doesn't think so, but Felix says, oh, that could be great. A change of atmosphere. Quiet. The perfect workplace to, the perfect place to work, Oscar. And Oscar says, I know, but Dillinger, it sounds dangerous. And Felix relays that Murray says there is no danger. He thinks the police arrested Dillinger. <laughs> and of course, they killed him uh, very famously. Er- yeah, 40 the- years earlier. Yeah, 40 years earlier. Uh, Oscar says, I don't know. And Felix says, oh, this could be just perfect for you, Oscar. Think it over. A change of atmosphere. The quiet, no phones, no traffic. Oscar says, all right, I'm doing so badly here. Felix says, we'll pack. We'll pack. Wait, Murray, we'll be right there. And then the last thing we see in that scene is Murray's nose sitting in that little door hole. Now, about that, about that nose, Ted. Uh, this reminds me of another excerpt from Gary Marshall's memoir, uh, which is called, by the way, My Happy Days in Hollywood. Get it? Happy no. Days. Um, oh, I get it. Yeah, it means that he was yeah, just was, really happy. Was, yeah, right. Um, so sure enough, he, in, he doesn't spend a lot of time on The Odd Couple. He only picks out a few episodes to talk about in detail. One was The Odd Monks from last week. But here's something he says about this scene. He says, the thing about producing your own television series is that things go wrong and you have to learn to fix them on the spot. In an episode called I'm Dying of Hunger, the scene was falling flat. The lines were fine, but the comedy wasn't popping. I suggest that Tony and Jack do the scene again, exactly as written, but I added a twist. I had Murray the cop put his nose through the peephole of Oscar and Felix's door. Felix saw the nose and instantly knew who was on the other side. Actually, it's Oscar who identifies it but felix knows too i guess the scene suddenly got laughs and all our problems were solved learning to punch up a scene is sometimes as important as writing the scene to begin with and i learned that from carl reiner on the dick van dyke show which they both worked on so yeah it does make you realize that without that bit there's just exposition going on here it's like murray's got the cabin and they just have to get past that plot point but there's no big laughs and so uh, I, I have a, a theory I'd love to, maybe we'll I'll go back and look but I, I wonder whether that peephole door was always there like that's that. what I was wondering too and I like feel they like would have had to build something tailor-made yeah. to help Molinaro's nose yeah I, I guess we'll uh, I didn't go back this time but I guess when we watch the next episode we'll well, no, actually, we have to go before this. So we have to look back oh, at right. season yes. two. Although, we, again, we don't know, I guess we don't know the production order as well, right? Because we have that information. Well, I, I, I would suggest looking at anything in season two to see. Oh, right. Season two. Yeah. Right. Before, like, uh, at least, not that there wouldn't be a people, but that it would be not this kind and not this big. Oh, then we should look going forward whether they kept it. Yeah. So now we're cut to a scene of a cabin. It's a very lonely cabin in the, in the background by a lake. And uh, they go, we cut to the, now the interior of the cabin, which is a pretty good set. It, I would call it a more rundown version of the cabin in Bunny and the one the bunny yeah. is missing. Whatever. The other cab. Yeah, the other cabin. Uh, so here's the scene when they arrive at the cabin. Go, you're you're gonna, get up, Felix! No, I'm on my way. I'll tell you what. 
I'll get some firewood. We'll build a great roaring fire. We'll roast marshmallows. I'm going to roast your toes. Oh, no, wait. It's so beautiful here. This is the forest primeval. <laughs> the murmuring pines and the hemlock. Oscar! Oscar! Where's the first aid kit? Listen, I was just outside. I was just enjoying nature. That's all I was doing. I saw this pretty little chipmunk. He was just a baby. I said, come here, little chipmunk. That's the way you talk to him? Yeah. I said, I offered him an acorn, and he bit me. I would have bitten you, too. What's it? What are you doing? What are you doing? You made the beds, you unpacked. What is no, this? No, well, you were right. The place was filthy. So is your room at home. You don't clean that. Yeah, but I don't share my room with anybody. I oh, want to do my fair uh, share. What are you doing? You're just avoiding right. This is all you've done in two hours? What is the killer instinct? I'm looking for the answer. <laughs> now, time flies when you're procrastinating. Yeah, you're right. If you fix your finger, I'm going to work. I really am going to good at this turn. <laughs> What's the whistle? How can I work if you're going to whistle? Ooh. Come here and help me. You want me to scrub up with you? No, listen. I want to talk to you seriously. I've been thinking about your problem. Yeah? Do you know what you have? What? You have what they call writer's block. No kidding. Yeah. All the greatest writers of history have had writer's block. Yeah, cut right there. Easy. No kidding. But they've all had a trick, a way to break the block. George Sand used to sing polkas. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Guy de Maupassant fantasied about beautiful girls. In what way? In every possible way. <laughs> it freed his imagination. Mm -hmm. F. Scott Fitzgerald tap danced. Did any of these guys eat to break their writing block? All right. I'm starved. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Watch me. I'm leaving. Right. I'm going to take the bike. I'm going to the store. I'm going to get supplies. It'll take me all afternoon. Now, you have no more excuses. 30 pages. Get to work. 30 pages. Believe me. 30 pages. Go. So the whistling, that whistling that Filks does is because he's putting antiseptic on his finger and it stings. Um, and then the clip, the sorry, the quote of This is the Forest Primeval is uh, from Henry Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's Evangeline. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know it was from that, but I, I've, I have heard of that. That's one of the most famous American poems of the 19th century. And then that scene has a small musical segment that comes after it, which was not in the DVD, presumably because of the rights. So we're going to play that. Yes, the cut clip. is, I mean, the, what gives it away is the cut is so, you heard it right here on the clip is that he says ah the forest primeval and then blah, blah. <laughs> there's some so the forest primeval quote is building up to something to another tony randall sings moment and here we go it's 20 seconds when i'm calling you Okay, so exactly can I just give a little color commentary on yes. this? There's a visual here of yes. what you heard all the tweeting and it's like, there, it's a weird scene, but it's kind of funny where there's just shots of nature and of all these little cr critters like answering his call, <laughs> to, you know, uh, 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 calling back to him. Uh, so it's, it's ridiculous, you know, but uh, in case you're curious, the song is a... Uh, called the indian love call appropriately since you know there's some indian jokes later on in this episode um and it kind of fits in with that whole forest primeval thing uh it, it's a very famous operetta song from the early 20th century and it was immortalized in a movie called rosemary as sung by Jeanette McDonald and Nelson and Eddy. That's why he says Nelson. And that's why, I, if you heard it at the end there, he says, okay, go go away, Nelson. Yeah. So he doesn't even say Nelson Eddy. Like, you, everyone's supposed to know. Right, everyone knows it's Nelson. It was that, but yeah. it was a huge hit in, in a, you know, kind of middle brow hit from the 30s. So I guess the viewers are old enough to know. So the next scene, uh, Oscar is starting. Now he starts to sing Roll Out the Barrel, which, so I guess there's no copyright issues yep. on singing that. Or he doesn't sing it enough. I don't know. Uh, and he sits down to type, but then he says, and I got a barrel of nothing in my mind. So he starts murmuring de Maupassant, which is what Felix referred to earlier. 
and he starts to ponder and he leans on his typewriter and then he starts to grin very well, not very big, <laughs> but grin and we're supposed to presume he's fantasizing very naughty grin about beautiful girls. because because as felix said in he fantasized about them in every yeah. way yeah every possible way one of the dirtier lines in the show uh and so uh, so oscar says i'll never get any work done this way uh, then he says F. Scott Fitzgerald. So he stands up and he starts to dance. And he's typing while he's uh, dancing. And then he picks up what he was typing. I guess he doesn't, we're supposed to presume he doesn't know what he typed. And he starts reading, putting on my tap, top hat, tying on my white tie, brushing off my, which are uh, lyrics from, Top Hat, White Tie, and Tales by Irving Berlin for the movie Top Hat by Fred Astaire, which is a tap dancing movie. And the audience, I guess, understands that joke because they laugh at it. So this is a very erudite audience. Another 30s movie reference, yeah. Well, it's 40 years before, so you you know, it's like today referencing uh, an 80s movie. I guess so. I guess that's true. Which is, is already over the heads of like the target demographic today but uh at a time when the audience leaned more middle age maybe so now we have another new scene oscar's sitting on the bed with his head in his hands and he looks an empty bag of chips and he hears a bicycle noise outside and he runs to the front door and he finds felix very dirty and disheveled with torn clothes and all he has in his hand is the bike handlebars like the rest of the bike is gone that leads to this. <laughs> it's a very funny sight gag. Did you get the food? Oh, would you wreck the bike? No, I wrecked my back. Oh, let me help. Let me help. I'm all right. You just get back to work. That's all that counts. Well, you look like you're in bad shape. Here. My condition doesn't count, Oscar. The book is the only thing. Oh, Oscar, I'm a broken man. Hey, you oh, lie down, lie down. I'll go down to the store and I'll get some help. There's no one at the store. I was just there. The store is closed. Closed? Since when? Since they captured Dillinger. He was their only customer. <laughs> oh, tell me what happened, Wheels. I swerved to miss a rabbit and I hit a tree. You hit a tree because of a rabbit? It could have been an endangered species. A rabbit, an endangered species. Don't argue with me at a time like this. Stop, stop. That's not the worst of it. Look at this thumb. While I lay there against the tree, the rabbit came up to me, so I reached out to pet him and he snapped at me. Maybe the chipmunk told him you were delicious. Oh, again with the brave whistling, I'm hungry, Felix. Get back to your typewriter. I'll, I'll fix this in no time. I've got hunger toughness in me. I'm going to fix you a dinner. Good. Here. What do you got? I thought the store was closed. Ah, oh, I've got a pocket full of acorns. And the woods. The woods are full of nuts and berries. What's the nuts and berries? I can't live on that. I need meat. Are you kidding? The local Indians subsisted on nuts and berries. That's why we haven't seen any local Indians. <laughs> your chipmunk and your rabbit could have meat, so could I. Oh, what well, is that nuts and berries? Oh, oh, right here. Oh, what have you got there? That's a boom, boom, boom for beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I found it there earlier while I was procrastinating. Oscar, we're not hunters. Speak for yourself, John. I need meat. No, no, I can't let you do this. Hunting is wrong. So is eating shrubbery. Let go. Oscar, 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 no. I can't allow this. Oscar, please. Now I got a splinter from the wall. (laughs) I don't get the John reference. Uh, You know what? I was just looking that up. And um, how how are you looking that up? What are you Googling? John? I said I googled the phrase "speak for yourself." It's "speak oh. for yourself," John. Oh, I didn't even think I, about the fact. Yeah, that that's it's that's what made me think it is. Is and, that a thing? Uh, it is leads us back to our friend Henry Wadsworth Longfellow again, and his courtship of Miles Standish, which is a Puritan era tale uh, set in those times. And I don't know it. I can't give you the context, but there is a famous line off off or what used to be often quoted from it of of the puritan maiden who says why don't you speak for yourself john so uh it's kind of like they're trading all this poetry with each other but anyway i put that out there for the listeners to uh, do what they will with it and i know they left in a bit of a hurry but uh, and i guess murray but murray didn't tell them about the 
I mean, I don't know how they came up here with no food is my point. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, what I heard this time that I didn't hear before with Murray is that he said it's seven miles down the road. Oh, yeah. I didn't, store. I didn't. Yeah, so, so even then. So I don't know. Why would they, they supposed... stop for food? Like, go to a grocery store along the way and bring it with you. Because they did. Yeah, they had a car. Yeah. They drove them. Right. right. And uh, that was a, it was a short-sighted of them. Yes. Can I just say, though, that a boom, boom, boom for the BBB yeah. is one of my favorite lines ever. Ever? <laughs> oh, or at least in the odd couple. Uh, but you, so you remember that line? Yeah. Oh. I remember a lot of lines from this episode. New scene is Oscar's in the woods now hunting for food. Felix is following him and the bell on the bike candle, which for some reason he still has, <laughs> keeps ringing. And Felix says, Oscar, I'm not going to stand by idly while you slaughter defenseless animals. Oscar says, get out of here, will you? They're all going to want ice cream, which is a, such a funny line, but doesn't- Because of the bell, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gets a good laugh. Yeah, because of the bell. It's, it's a, it, it doesn't, that line doesn't get, I think, the level of credit or laugh it deserves. Wait, is this when they're already now, we've changed yeah. the scene, we're out? Yeah. yeah, we're out in the woods. As a new scene, Oscar's in the woods hunting yeah. for food. Uh, and then Oscar sees wild geese, and that leads us to our final clip. Wild geese, they're coming to swing. Now, look at this. Wild geese, they're coming to swing. Now, look at this. Wild geese, they're coming to swing. Now, run, it's time to get out of here. Get out of here and go. Go, go, duck geese. Duck geese? All right, believe me. You happy now? Yes. At least I spared them. I spared them the depredations of a ruthless killer. Coming back. Keep hunting. You're calling them back. Keep hunting. They're coming back. Keep hunting. Keep hunting. No, 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 I got a feed them. I'm a decoy. Go away. Why didn't you shoot? I couldn't. I'm not a killer. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm a coward. No, you're not. You're the bravest of the brave. If I'm so brave, how come there aren't a lot of dead geese around? <laughs> because it takes much more courage not to kill than to kill. Yeah? Compassion is the most difficult thing for the human heart to learn. Killing is easy. Felix, that's it. Of course that's it. No, I mean about the novel. That's why I haven't been able to write it. I've been trying to write it from the killer's point of view, but I don't have the killer's instinct. But if I do it from the other side, nobody's ever done that before. It's never been done. Tomorrow. I can write it now. Oh, great. Oh, great. <laughs> well, hello, little frog. <laughs> hello. Hello, little frog. Hello. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Too early. You gave me a time to perfectly. Hey, I hope you're gonna buy my book. Oh, sure. Hey, I'll sue before it comes out in paperbacks. That's a lot. Well, I think we got everything. <laughs> Where's Felix? Saying goodbye to his furry feathered friend. Oh, I bet he really had a ball up here. Huh? Hey, not really. Why? What's the matter? Well, he found out it's not nice to fool with Mother Nature. <laughs> hey, I'll take the bags. Okay. Hey, Mary, I saw your car. I'm taking the bags. Uh -huh. <laughs> Boy, am I proud of I you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the things you did. Did you, uh, did you write the dedication? Of course I did. I got it right here. This book is dedicated to one of nature's noblest men who helped me when I needed him most, my friend Murray the Cop. So one of the sight gags in there is that when... Fields comes back into the cabin, his hands and fingers are completely bandaged. Like they all have this like toilet paper around them. Yeah. Um, it's gotten worse and worse, right? And the 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 reference to Don't Feel with Mother Nature is that's the famous ad for Chiffon Margarine that um that at the, was was pretty popular. Man, see now I knew that had to be something, but I couldn't I didn't yes. so you don't these, the commercial are... the references to the, to the commercials are the hardest for me because I mean how late did that run? Well, I, I remember it. Well, I, for some reason, you keep saying you didn't watch TV as a kid, which I don't understand. <laughs> but uh, because I only watch this show. Uh, yeah, Chiffon Madra. I remember them very vividly as, mm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, they ran into the 80s. So 
Mm, okay. Yeah, I remember them. I mean, very famous. There's Dina Dietrich was the person who played Mother Nature. I, how could you not know that? <laughs> I have to, start to. Do you know what Where's the Beef? Ted, is? I have to confess, I I actually did not have a television growing up, and this is the first time I've seen. This is the first time I've seen any of these odd couples, and I gotta tell oh, you, Ted, God, <laughs> sometimes it's good, but yeah, I don't know. How did I pick you to do this? <laughs> um, do you know Where's the Beef? Yes, I do. Okay, Wendy's. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's a, by the way, did you, I don't know why this is, it's not a big deal, but Oscar calls his book a novel. Oh yeah. This is uh, a huge, <laughs> this is a huge, uh, or is uh, a big deal. Maybe. Black hole in this plot. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. It started off with the assumption, right. That it's something about sports. Yeah. Which I think even Felix says. Well, Felix like, says is about the killer instinct. He sets that well, all up. But uh, now by the end of the episode, I'm totally confused. Like, He's really writing about a real killer, not just someone no. who likes to. No, no, he's writing about the killer instinct in sports. Right, but he, but the do it with the gun there when he's saying I can't kill. You know, it makes it, it certainly gets it all confused. Now, I think it's but, a metaphor for whether or not someone has. The but they never instinct. say. Well, I guess knockout implies it's boxing. I guess that. Uh, yeah. Or I don't. I think it's any sport. <laughs> No, you you have a much. Hey, wait! Problem. What other sports do you not, do? You, do you get win for knocking someone? No, no. I, I'm out? saying he's using that as a. Oh, okay. I, not I think, literally. Yeah. You seem to have a bigger problem with. I I found yes. what the book was very clear. The only thing that I bothered me was at one point he calls it a novel, but the novel implies fiction, doesn't it? Yes. Well, apparently that is what he's writing. No, no, no. I don't believe so. No, I think the novel because is in the street. he's talking. He's saying like I can write it from this point of view. Yeah. Like he's he's created characters. No, I don't think so. Okay. I think he's writing the story. Whatever the no. narrative is right. about why. I don't know. I think if people go back and watch the episode, they might. I think if you go back, you find more clues that it's a novel. But I, um, so. I think the novel. I'm saying the novel is a misspoke. Is a. Right, I'll tell way. you what. No, I, I. What I have an even bigger problem with. Okay. They what were there for how the, many? How many days? Three days. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he wrote. He wrote an entire novel yeah, in well, less than three days because book, not novel, a book, whatever. Yeah. He didn't write anything right, for the yes, first couple. Of I days. agree with you. It is a so that is, and What did uh, they actually eat? By the way, they never eat. We don't know what they. That's true. That's and an also un, unanswered question. Whatever happened to this book? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it got remaindered pretty quickly because yeah. uh, he is never it is never referred to again in his illustrious career. So just one a... more thing. It goes back to the beginning of this episode when he the idea is that Oscar was apparently going to write this all in one all nighter. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, I think, the, that's how I we thought, start. <laughs> I, didn't think was, I didn't think I thought the all nighter was to do as much as he can. Not to, right. But he, we found out he had nothing. Right. So basically, he's approaching this like a term paper. Well, I, they they also did say he doesn't have a lot of time to write it, so I think he's yeah. under pressure for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. The publisher needs it ASAP. Yeah. So there's a tag. Felix asks, "You dedicated the book to Murray?" And Oscar says, "Oh, I forgot the typewriter." Felix says, "Oscar, how could you do a thing like that?" Oscar says, "Oh, I was only kidding. Here's the real dedication." And Felix reads it. This book is humbly dedicated to my dearest friend Felix Unger, who had more faith in me than I had myself. And Felix says, you know, I think you might have added one more thing. And the audience groans mm -hmm. at this because that was a really sweet dedication. And now Felix is going overboard again. And Felix says, the man who taught me not only faith, but courage, a man who went savagely attacked in an unprovoked <laughs> and ungrateful way by a wild animal. Oscar says, a wild animal, a chipmunk was a wild animal. And then they start arguing and walking out the door and you can't hear what else they're saying because yes. they're just arguing with each other. I think Oscar's still going beep, 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 beep. Oh, you I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay. And that's the end. So um, this is an episode that I think many people, this never gets talked about. And I, I don't know if people. It doesn't do have don't. any of the, yeah, it doesn't, I guess, have any of the really big famous long. It also has shows. none of the really sloppy messy and it's not in the apartment and Murray's in it a little bit yeah it, it's not a classic i i like this episode i give it three and a half out of five murrays the murray scene with the nose is very funny yeah. i like the stuff in the woods in this episode um i, I always remember duck geese i don't know why <laughs> that stuck in my head um so i i give it three and a half out of five uh yeah i think that's right um i okay, good night good oh. 
<laughs> well, I should before I start picking apart more flaws. But yeah. you know what? Here's the thing. Despite there are a lot of uh, stretching credibility things going on here. But having said that, I do think it's in the service of a pretty well-structured uh, script that and a lot going on. I had thought that the whole thing or most of it would be in the cabin, but it's actually only halfway through the episode that we get there that the uh, we're in the ha apartment for the first uh, at least half of it. And um, so it really kind of builds up the whole story is about his writer's block. And I, they really, they, they kind of go at it from many different angles. And I like that it's a, you know, it's writers writing about writing here, you know, uh, and the, the difficulties in that. And um, so it, it gets us in, this is, it gets us into Oscar's working life in an interesting way. Um, the, there's a lot of great physical humor. All of Felix's stuff, that Felix's trajectory, like as his ruin, his, you know, that he's getting attacked more and more and that he's falling apart by the end. You know, he's been, uh, Oscar's is like rising, you know, he finishes the book and Felix is like completely a mess. Is really funny. All the different variations of that, of what happens to him in the woods. Um, the, um, uh, yeah, I remembered, you know, not a lot of quotable lines, but I remembered a lot of the lines. And for some reason, right at the beginning, I had forgotten. I thought I did not remember this episode, but right at the beginning when they found, when they saw Oscar's empty folder, mm -hmm. I knew that Felix was, I was going to say, this is all you wrote. This is all you wrote. This is all you wrote. <laughs> yeah. And that just was in my head so clearly. So it does stay with you, with me at least. And uh, it's a good one. All right, well, I have to go ride around in a cab all night, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the podcast. Ted, now. this podcast has been a terrible overwork. You know, we didn't talk about that a lot. That, that was a very that's funny... That's also really funny. That's, a very, that's a very funny uh, accent. That I, you could tell Tony Randall's... Thank you. The Institute, thanks to. <laughs> yeah, the Institute. All right. Uh, now we're going to really end. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you.